is related to. I love Jamila breaking the fourth wall and just talking to the audience throughout the movie. Loved it was nice. It. Yeah, because I mean, in rom coms, you kind of know what's gonna happen, and so like just to, like break down that barrier to begin with, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like you kind of know what you're expecting, but you don't. Yeah. You still got to see it play out. And I and I, I loved it. I like how she would touch in because sometimes you get a rom com where you hear a narr- narrator like once, and you're like, who's that guy? And I'm like, oh my god, there's a voice. <laughs> Has there been a voice the this whole voice. time? <laughs> like, welcome. To the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And like you, I love rewatching movies over and over again. You made it to us. You found us. You love romantic comedies, which is great news because we do as well. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you. Maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have Love, love at, at First, first sight. sight. And best way to get in touch with the pod. You know, if there's something you hear that you want to reach out about or you just want to chat about romantic comedies or just life in general at romcom rewind on instagram and if there's anything you want to do for the pod to help us out uh throw us a follow and throw us a review on whatever thing you're listening to us on right now this week we have a message from sheila she says i love capital letters your podcast i started listening before bed about six months ago i love the banter the jokes and the calm that i get as i prepare to drift off to sleep i have one complaint once a week isn't enough (laughs) I have listened to every episode and need more. In all seriousness, I think you both are wonderful. Thank you for bringing me calm every day. What a nice message, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. It is interesting to think that she falls asleep to us. I know. That's that's really cool. That's sweet. Yeah. Never did I think that would happen, you know, (laughs) to my voice. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. can Can we pull the curtain back on the pod a little bit? You know, a peek behind the curtain of the podcast, not the movie yet. (laughs) Sarah and I have been slugs to start 2024. Your boy Devin got back from Nashville. Last, on Monday. Monday, yeah. So a week ago as of recording of this. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Last episode, (laughs) I was in rough shape. I think I played it off pretty well. Princess Diaries, a fantastic movie. You had to be good for that, You gotta, You got to bring up your game. It is a good one. I was running off about nine hours of sleep over three days and just copious amounts of... Um, debauchery, and now <laughs> and now this week. So, if you're listening and you happen to be a parent of a child in daycare or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. any kind of flu, sickness, cold that goes through that daycare yeah. is going straight through your household. It's like, coming home like wildfire. <laughs> it's just yes, it is coming home. Um, I think Sarah and I have been healthy for maybe three and a half weeks total since Wells started daycare back in October. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we we got a hit with a tough one. This week, I'll be honest. A nice stomach bug for us, so. Sarah's doing a little bit worse than your boy, Devin, but we're recovering (laughs) and we're ready for the pod. Totally. But just so you know, we're going to step up our game for the rest of 2024. (laughs) There's nowhere to go but up, okay? It's been a tough start to the year for the pod, I'll be honest. So it is really nice getting those messages from from people like Sheila. We do. We love reading them. And honestly, when we say we, we couldn't do the podcast without you, we mean it. Like... It, we love interacting with you guys and uh, and you all, and um, it brings smiles to our faces getting your messages. And there's also no barrier here. There's no like, oh, if I message them, will they say, yes, yes. If you message us, we will see it and we will respond <laughs> 100% of the time. We promise. Yes, um, it, it does might take a little bit of time, but we, yeah. we will get there for sure. Love at First Sight is a 2023 Netflix romantic comedy filmed uh, a film directed by Vanessa Caswell. It's based on the 2011 novel, The Statistical Probability 
of Love at First Sight, which I actually think I like that title better than just Love at First so, Sight. So, quick facts, but... Go ahead. Um, that's what the movie was originally going to be called when it was going to have um, Haley Steinfeld as the lead. What? In 2014, 2015. Yeah. What a mm-hmm. tease for the yes. quick facts. Haley Steinfeld was supposed to be on here. Yeah. Um, and that's what it was going to be called. And then they changed the title to Love at First Sight. And instead they got a different Haley, Haley Lou Richardson. Yes, who actually starred in a movie, uh, The Edge of Seventeen with Haley Steinfeld. Anyway. So anyway, it's very interesting. This is strange. Immediately, <laughs> this is strange. Um, Haley Lou Richardson plays Hadley Sullivan in our story. Um, Hadley, just to paint a picture, somebody who never has a charged phone, is chronically late for things, evidenced by the fact that when we meet her, she's actually in the process of missing her flight to London to attend her father's wedding. This is also the story of Oliver Jones, played by Ben Hardy. Oliver is a, uh, he, he's British, but he's a student at Yale in the States. Uh, he's obsessed with statistics, with numbers. He hates surprises. And typically, opposite of Hadley, uh, keeps his phone very charged. And this is kind of how our love interests meet. At an airport, Hadley needs her phone charged. Hey, Oliver's here. Got a phone charger for you. We both happen to be on the same flight to London. That I'll lead you in with that on Love at First Sight. What are your thoughts? Typical day at John F. Kennedy Airport. There are thousands of people going hundreds of places. Excuse me. Sorry. My battery keeps dying. I'll borrow mine if you want. But today, a girl and a boy will meet. Sorry, I don't uh, share electronics till the third date. Okay. No, I suppose it is quite intimate. And it will change everything. Over the next six hours and 47 minutes, Hadley Sullivan and Oliver Jones will fall in love. This is me. This is unexpected. (laughs) Why is this movie so good? This movie is so good. I loved this movie. I would love to now read the book because I wonder if it's as good. It's got to be. Usually books are better than movies. So I can only imagine that the book is really good. This movie was so great to watch. I loved watching this movie. It, they did such a good job. The narrator, Jamila, was like the perfect person to play this role. I loved the narration. I loved the t- statistics throughout the movie. They were done at the right time, in the right place. I loved that it was fate that they came together. And it, oh, it just, it was, it just made me smile. This movie really made me smile. The writing was really good. Um, the casting, great. I loved the tie-in with the worlds of like the the um like the British humor. Mm-hmm. It was it was really well done. I loved it. I agree. This was such a beautiful movie. I I adored watching this. Um it's also if if you're a listener of the pod, I maybe you know the wheelhouse for Devin's perfect romantic comedy, but like you know, definitely maybe about time crazy stupid love. 500 Days of Summer, I think, like, in terms of the storytelling elements and the aesthetic, Love at First Sight kind of fills in the same kind of vein as a lot of those ones I've listed. Um, I think you touched on it, like, having the narrator throughout. I also just like a movie that's very thoughtful, where every scene feels like it has a purpose, where there are multiple scenes where you think, oh, that was kind of a clever way to shoot that or to film that or a certain piece that just... um, really resonated. I I thought this was a very thoughtful film. 
I thought it was so well put together. But aside from mm-hmm. that, it was just beautiful. It was. It was a very beautiful story to tell, and I think they told it um, so successfully. They they executed that story so well, and it was it was just a pleasure to watch. I can't believe. Yeah, I just checked it out on Rotten Tomatoes. 73% tomatoes, tomato meter, audience score 81%. Mm-hmm. So if you've only listened to like the first seven minutes of this pod and you have not watched this movie, yeah, go, this was go a, watch it. This was a well done 2023 mm-hmm. romantic comedy that flew so far under the radar. I didn't even have it on my rom-com fantasy team. I was about to say, I kind of wish that I knew about it so that I could put it on my fantasy draft because this one would have, well, it could have won for you, Devin. This could have turned the tide for your boy Devin. I'm so upset about it. Anyway, yeah, just a beautiful movie all around. Um, a great watch. I think um, I agree with that. And and when you talk about those movies that you kind of tie this into, you know, la, um, um, crazy stupid definitely love, maybe yeah movie, all yeah. of those movies they got they have like you said in a certain aesthetic yeah. and it's almost indie if that makes yes. sense like it's almost just the way that it's filmed the way that it's done the elements that are in it the narrator god i love that she also played a character in the movie like different characters throughout the movie oh yeah i yeah, love yeah, that you'd see yeah, her yeah. as like the border control security you'd see her as you know throughout the entire movie but like you said it was beautiful and I liked that they both had struggles that they were going through and the way that they navigated those within a day. Yeah. But they were heavy. Both of those things that they were going through were heavy, both completely different. Yep. One heavier than the other, obviously, but both like in a way losses and how the two of them meeting brought, brought a positive light to it all. And I think you touched on something as well that like, all those movies I listed before and any rom-com that I truly think is great is a romantic comedy that commits to the love story. Make me make me believe that it's real. And even this story, it's 24 hours. They're in an airport. They have dinner at the airport. They got on a plane. And then they see each other at these two events in their lives. But like, it's probably 24 to 36 hours total time that we believe that they spend together Mm -hmm. but i effing believe it dude (laughs) i believe in the love and that's the beautiful thing about it i'm like yes i'm i'm committed to this and and they committed to it when they were filming it which i think is really important all right so let's dive in we meet hadley who's traveling to london to see her dad and to go for his wedding this is his second marriage we find out and uh it is to a woman who hadley has never met charlotte she misses, uh, Hadley misses her flight by four minutes and has to rebook on the next flight in business class. That's the only seat available as she's waiting for her flight. The meet cute happens. I love it. The meet cute happens literally within the first five minutes of the movie. Oliver is the boy and they start talking when Hadley goes to charge her phone at the charging unit or station. She's um, at it. And of course, the one that she's at doesn't work. So he offers for Hadley to use his. They get to talking and we find out that he's studying statistics at Yale. She goes to NYU and she's undecided in what she wants to do. So a common theme throughout this movie, Sarah, you just mentioned it, statistics. Oliver is obsessed with statistics and numbers and percentages. And, and we learn a little bit more about his character into, you know, why that is the case later. But throughout this podcast, I thought I could throw some, some real life stats at, at you as we go. I love it. For example, Hadley's phone is almost dead. Oliver's phone is completely charged. What do you think, and you listening, think about what what you believe the answer to be in your head. What do you think the average person's phone percentage is? Just in an average day, 
What is the average percentage of that person's phone? I'm going to say 62. <gasps> Sarah. <laughs> 67. Oh. You were so close. You know what's really funny? I was going to say 68. And then wow. I switched it last second at 62. I can say... <laughs> I can say my phone is typically less than this. I'm I'm probably more of a Hadley than I am more of an Oliver. Oh, no, you are 100% more of a Hadley and I am 100% more of an Oliver. When it comes yeah, to is that phones. Is that how we... Yes. Yeah, I think yes. we are. You are always on a very low percentage should we check right now? My phone is literally I'm pulling it from the charger and it's still only at 35%. Mine says 78. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's play another real quick game. How many uh, how many unopened emails do you have? Zero. What? Yes. Is zero. that a joke? I'm showing you right now. There is no emails. I can't stand that red little red icon. So I've got on my Gmail. Oh I've my got- God. You have 10,338 unread emails. Yeah, that's that correct. Is anxiety. My work email is 233. So I keep that a little bit cleaner. And your personal, like your other email is 26,000 unread emails. Devin, can I please go through that for you? Like that is driving me nuts. How do you back to charging my phone? <laughs> oh my god, I can't. I wonder what the average uh, un, uh, amount of unopened emails a person has. You know what? I'll work on that while you keep going. Oh my god, I just like I don't even know what to do with that. That's bad. I can't believe you have zero. I have zero. And you know zero. what? I think this is very. And you listening to the pod, you have probably put yourself on one side <laughs> of this argument or the other. You're either a Devin. <laughs> Or a Sarah. You're either a Hadley yeah. or an Oliver. Yeah. I think they, they portrayed these characters very well to appeal to all audiences. Um, yeah, for Go sure. Go team Hadley. Go team. Oh, my gosh. So, and you can automatically, like, see the differences, I guess, between the two. They're quite opposite. Oliver is studying statistics at Yale. He knows exactly what he wants to do. And then we have Hadley, who goes to NYU, and he asks, what are you studying? She goes, oh, I'm undecided on my major. Like, I don't know. The average number of unread emails for the average person is 1,602. However, 2.3% of people say they have zero unread emails. Well, I'm in that 2%. You're in the 2.3%. Wow, good job, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm the one pulling that average up. <laughs> like 1,602. I'm, I'm putting that on my back and I'm saying, no, no, no. We, we can go higher. We can go higher, everybody. Tens of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Doesn't that give you anxiety? Not at all. It actually doesn't. How? Oh, it drives me nuts. Because I'm, I'm in my work email icons. every day and I get so many random emails that I just, just don't delete even... them. Just yeah. you just got to press delete. Like it's a quick little it, it's an icon that is a garbage can and you just <laughs> click it. It's the same as if you scroll by the amount of time that it'll take you to scroll by that email. You just click that little button, the little garbage. No, can, I just ignore the emails I don't like goes away. Yeah, but, oh, it's just, that's so, oh, anyway, okay, I can't, I can't. The two of them decide to go get food. I was going to go get some food. Do you want to come with? Is that like a third date thing for you? (laughs) They both, uh, we discover, hate mayonnaise. That's a real thing. Like, people really hate mayonnaise. I get it. My brother hates mayonnaise. Yeah, I like mayo, but I get how people could not like it. Like when there's too much mayo in something, I notice it right away. I'm like, "Mm, that's too much mayo. It depends. You know? Toasted tomato sandwich, delish. Too much mayo in an egg salad sandwich, that's, you know, it might be an issue. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's that's your line? Yeah. The egg salad sandwich. I would think that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Too much mayo. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're loopy. You so can tell you we're getting off a uh, flu because we're very loopy this episode. Okay. This could be a train wreck. We have no idea. Okay. Uh, we also find out that Hadley hates uh, um, dentists in small spaces. Oh, I also hate dentists, Hadley. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they're called while sitting for dinner. They're called for their flight. Of course, they're both late again, which like... Is amazing to me. They both have to run to the gate to make the flight. They were very far from their gate. Yeah. Like so far. How? Don't wander that far off when you're doing that. Like why? Is there a specific uh, airport moment in your mind that you had to like run somewhere to get to a place or some, a- any stressful airport moments that come to mind quickly? Because I had one very recently. That, that trip to Nashville I was just telling y'all about. Oh, you didn't tell me this. I just threw a y'all into normal conversation too. Wow. Watch out. Um, <laughs> so we had to fly from Toronto. We had a connection in Washington to get to Nashville. And the connection was about 50, 55 minutes, which I've learned, by yeah, the way, everybody, tight. 55 minutes is just enough time mm-hmm. to sit down to try to get food, to order that food, and to... Be afraid that the food's not going to come before. So we were at a P.F. Chang's in the Washington airport, and literally we can see the gate. Oh, my God. And I asked the girl, like, it's like 20 minutes to boarding. I'm like, hey, is the food going to be there on time? And she's like, you might get it right before the flight. I'm like, <laughs> might's tough. Might doesn't make me feel good. Might's not a yes. We So we were <laughs> group seven. And we got our food as group one was boarding because we could see our gate. So we were like literally just like throwing food down. I was just about to say, did you just like throw it in your mouth? We threw it in our mouths. And I mean, the flight's not going to, they're going to do like a last call. You just wave to the front desk and say, I'm here. here I'm just having something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we, (laughs) by the time group six was called, I I was pretty comfortable with how much I ate. Like I was satisfied. Oh, that's good. Still brought some on the, on the flight, but it was very stressful to be like, we ordered this food. We can see our gate about and to start still, boarding. You might have been late. Stressful. Goodness gracious. Which once again also a very Hadley thing to happen. But so they board the flight. They actually get on, and uh, um, Oliver helps Hadley get her bag into the overhead compartment, and then shakes her hand, saying, "Sorry." Back to the chip. Sorry, one sec. Um, it's uh, lovely to meet you, Hadley. Yeah. Good luck. You too. Good luck. What's a no? So long. Heads back to economy while Hadley is sitting in business class. Oliver gets to his seat beside a man who is very large, and it turns out that Oliver's seatbelt is broken, and so he can't sit there without a working seatbelt. The flight attendant moves Oliver to uh, the seat beside Hadley, and if we listened when, um, if if you guys listened when she was getting the business class flight. The person did say that there were two tickets left and they were only in business class. Oh, I didn't even notice mm-hmm. that. Well, I think I heard that, right? And I think that's what I heard. That sounds like it would make total um, sense. So, yeah. So, the only flight that was left on the, on the, oh, the only seat that was left on the flight was the seat beside Hadley. And the narrator tells us that over the next six hours and 47 minutes, Hadley Sullivan and Oliver Jones will fall in love. But then, 18 minutes after they land, they'll be separated in a crowd and never see each other again. That is if they don't get each other's name or phone number or anything that is related to I love to Jamila breaking the fourth wall and just talking to the audience throughout the movie. Loved it was nice. It. Yeah. Because, I mean, in rom-coms, you kind of know what's going to happen. And so, like, just to, like, break down that barrier to begin with, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you kind of know what you're expecting, but you don't. Yeah. You still got to see it play out. 
And I and I, I loved it. I like how she would touch in because sometimes you get a rom com where you hear a narr- narrator like once, and you're like, "Who's that guy?" And you're like, "Oh my god, there's a voice." There's, has there been a voice the this whole voice. time? <laughs> like, I remember um, the um, uh, Age of Adeline. We oh, have a yes. narrator at the beginning, and then we have a narrator way at the end. And yeah. I forgot about the narrator. So when he jumps in, I'm like, "Holy shit!" There's a narrator. Get a jump here. scare. Yeah, a little jump scare for you in a rom com. Hadley believes real love is about holding someone's hand when life gets tough. Doesn't need to be a big thing. You know, his dad's getting, or sorry, her dad's getting married again. And she's not really looking forward to it. One, because she's never met the girl. And two, because she liked her old life. She liked her life with her mom and dad being together. And, you know, when her dad left to go to um, uh, the UK to teach, um, her, her parents split up. And we find out from Oliver that he likes that weddings are a promise. He likes weddings and he likes what they stand for. So again, completely opposites. And around now is actually my best scene. I think it happens right after this moment or right before this moment. Mm-hmm. They both end up going to the washroom um, and airports, the airplanes, I should say. The washroom situation is like, especially when there's a line for the washroom, it's like, oh my God, we're <laughs> crammed here together waiting Sardines. for the washroom. We Definitely. have. We have a be- the soundtrack for this film is also really, really well done. They have an acoustic version of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. You know what it reminds me of, Sarah? You'll, you'll like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Schitt's Creek. Yeah. When, oh, um, yes. Simply the Best. Mm-hmm. The acoustic version. Some I songs. loved that. I l- died for that scene. Yeah. Some songs you're like, what, what would this sound like acoustic? I bet that would be stupid. And then you hear somebody do it and you're like, that's actually beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. The Shit's Creek, uh, simply the best acoustic mm-hmm. version. Fantastic. Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody, acoustic, while they're just staring at each other and all this sexual tension is building and they're about to kiss. And and that's back to what I'm saying. Like They, they only knew each other for what? 10 hours Two at hours? this point, maybe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something like that. Between three and 10 hours. The flight's <laughs> six. I don't know. Um... Immediately, I'm like, hey, there's a connection here. There's chemistry. I'm I'm feeling it. I'm vibing with Whitney Houston. Yeah, you buy it. Yeah, I bought in. Best scene. <laughs> it was a really good scene. So they both wake up after uh, falling asleep, and the flight is descending. Oliver asks where the wedding is, and she says, um, you know, it's in Shoreditch, and he asks where his is, again, thinking that it's a wedding. Um, as they're going in different lines for the passports, uh, like, so... She has to clear customs and um, security. He, he's a British citizen. He's a British so he's citizen. Go he flies right through. And he gives Hadley his number, but she gets bumped at the same time and loses it because her screen breaks and then her phone dies, obviously. The girl's got to get like one of those power packs and a connector for her phone. Way too I, practical, Sarah. No. Hadley goes through customs to grab her luggage and he is gone. Hadley takes a cab into the city to Shoreditch and Charlotte's bridesmaids are going to be at the ready to get her ready for the wedding because the wedding is like at noon that day. Can I stop you really quick? Because something I really, really liked about this film, Mm -hmm. I I love when this happens, (laughs) when we get uh, two sides of the story. I love it. And like what's happening simultaneously to the other. So at the moment they leave the airport, we're seeing Hadley's Hadley's version of events. Yeah. But later on in the story, we're going to see the exact same timeline but what Oliver was doing at those same moments. And I just wanted to chime in because I think that's very important. We're led to believe that Oliver was not at the airport and Hadley just got in a vehicle and left kind of thing for the, for the wedding. 
So the wedding uh, for Hadley's dad goes well, and then they have to spend uh, a few hours between the ceremony and the reception. And Hadley's dad asks her to do a father-daughter dance, which she replies yes. And then she quickly meets Charlotte, and she's like, I I like Charlotte. She's like, I can't, you know, hate her. She's great. Can't hate her. I've got a question. Do you remember the colors for the wedding dresses? Or the the bridesmaids? She says like a bruise, but I would say they were like a... They're not a maroon, like a, like, I guess in between like a maroon and a wine. What do you think is the statistical most popular color for bridesmaids dresses? Blue. Blue is number two, right behind green. 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 I mean, my bridesmaid, like for our wedding, ours, they were emerald green. Got a few more wedding stats for you. What percentage of people you think performed a first dance at their wedding? In like, uh, I think these were as of 2022, like the year of 2022. 87. 91, Sarah. Oh, I'm good at this. Um, <laughs> Not good at numbers, but I'm good at the guessing. <laughs> there were father-daughter and or mother-son dances. What percentage? Mm, that's a tough one. Yeah. Both? Cause no, or. or okay, and or. or. Yeah. So there was at least one or the other. Um, or both. 93. 80. Oh, okay. Incorporated, what percentage of weddings do you think incorporated something old, new, borrowed, and blue? Which I think is the stupidest thing. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. It's like when um when a girl breaks up, with, or a guy breaks up with a girl and all her friends are like, okay, we're going to burn his shit now. I'm like, well, how does that, what is that? What is that? What is it? <laughs> do, do, people do that. People do that. I did that. What? Something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. But did you did you burn anything of an ex's? No. Oh, sorry. Okay. Two separate things. <laughs> Has not have not burned anything of an ex's. Have done something borrowed, something blue, something old, something new. Okay. Wait. Yes. You did that at our wedding? Yes. What? Yes. What were the things? Okay. Um, first, guess the percentage. Okay. okay sure. Uh, I'm gonna say ninety four. Uh, 70%. Wow. Fair, fair, fair. What were the things? Um, I borrowed pearl earrings from my nanny. I (laughs) have a ring from my mom. Okay. I, my, um. Something old and something new. Something old was my nanny's. Something borrowed was, no, something old was from my mom. Something borrowed was from my nanny. Uh, my new was my veil and blue. I don't think I did. I'm going to say your suit jackets cause they were blue, <laughs> but I didn't, wow. I don't think I did blue. I don't think I did blue. Gosh. Yeah. Um, what, this is a funny one cause I haven't been to a wedding that didn't have this. Um, what percentage of, uh, weddings had guests with specific table assignments? Say that again. Like you go to a wedding and oh, you have and a table. Seating. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 85. 68%. Wow. That's low. That is low. I've like, I've never been to a wedding where it's just like, eh, figure it out. It's a free for all. <laughs> yeah, no, me Go neither. crazy. Mm, Interesting. Do you like these? I can do a few more I like odd these ones. A lot. Okay, okay. I think they're great. Um, what percentage of weddings do you think happened within 30 miles of where the couple live? Um, 63%. 57%. Okay. Wow. Good job, Sarah. Uh, what percentage of proposers said they felt pressure to plan a highly unique proposal? Oh, I'm going to say 76%. Uh, no, it's 58. Oh, okay. But 
I feel like the pressure's there for people the, the who have to The pressure is absolutely proposer. there. Yeah, for sure. And 31% said that they had planned their proposal for between one to three months in advance. Oh, what did you do? Um, It was probably close to a month. Really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like I, I thought I thought I nailed the proposal. You did. It was great. We did a hike um, to a place that we often hike to. Mm-hmm. And it's it's close to our home. And it's kind of a place that we can go back to every every uh, year around that time of the year. Mm-hmm. And I also had a friend of ours who was like an oh amateur God, photographer. So funny. And I was just like, uh, he knew. Can, can I tell it? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I'm like 80% of the way through telling it, but go ahead. No, okay. So we had our friend come with us. And Devin had told me, I said, oh yeah, sure. He can come for sure. And Devin had sold it or said to me, he got a new camera lens. He wants to try it. And I said, okay, great. And this was during the fall. So fall foliage was in full force. Beautiful colors. Yeah. Yeah. Good alliteration there. Fall foliage in full force. Um, (laughs) And I like it. So here I am walking on this trail and, you know, our dog Frankie's like wandering about and whatever. And I'm like, oh, you got to take a picture of this leaf. Like, look at this tree. It's like, it's such <laughs> yeah. great colors. And like, she's like suggesting oh, like, to him. What like- about this tree? Like, oh my gosh, look at this view. Like the, and he's like, okay, sure. And he wasn't taking photos yeah, of no. the trees that I was pointing out. And I was like, like I'm just here for In my the- mind, I'm like, why aren't you doing this? Like, these are great fall foliage photos. Yeah. You need to get like, be better. Like, take some photos. <laughs> God, Scott, get on it. Yeah, and then so sure enough, we get up. Showing you some great photos yeah. over here, man. I'm like, come on, man. So we get up to the to the lookout, and um, he's kind of lollygagging behind us. And Devin's like, okay, stand here. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he goes, okay. And then I kind of like turned back. And then when I turned back around, Devin was there on his knee proposing uh-huh. to me. Yeah. And then it all clicked. And then, of course, um, he was taking photos proposed, and Scott was there to take photos. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, OK, that makes so much more sense as to why you were not taking photos of the trees I was pointing out. Yeah. God, I was so disappointed. You were so helpful. You were annoyingly helpful. <laughs> and he was like, please leave me alone. Well, he's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, no, not cool. Take had pictures. A, had a bottle of champagne packed yeah. in his camera case. We it was, had it all it sorted out. Very well done. Anyway, <laughs> that's but a yeah, story. Uh, probably slightly less than a month to plan that. Okay, it was but but close to a month. Anyway, let's continue. So now Hadley, because of this long layover between, which by the way, pet peeve of Devon's. If you do this at your wedding, I don't really care. But just know. I don't like it if you're going to invite me to your wedding. I hate the long layovers mm, in between. between the ceremony and the rehearsal. Yeah. If it's like, here's the thing. Just, if it's an hour or two, cool, great. Especially open up the bar, I'm down. <laughs> when it's like, oh no, you're going to go back to your home or go to like your hotel for three hours. What, how long was this one? Like five hours? Yeah, it was four. Four, four hours, hours in between. It's yeah. a long layover between the things. Yes. Yeah. And... um. During the layover, um, she, like I said, quickly meets Charlotte and then she's pulled into another direction, Charlotte, to say goodbye to uh, some guests that had come. And Hadley overhears them saying that they have to go to a memorial at uh, Peckham House, which is where Oliver had said that he was going for this. He never corrected her, but Hadley thought wedding. It turned out that Oliver was actually going to a memorial. It turns out that it's Oliver's mom 
whose cancer had come back. And um, yeah, so the narrator says fate can only be fate if we decide we want to make it be. And this is where she needs, Hadley needs to decide whether she goes to Peckham House to see Oliver or stays for the four hour long, you know, layover between the ceremony and the reception. Obviously, she decides to go to Peckham House to see Oliver. Now, this is when we switch to see Oliver's side of things from basically when they split uh, to go into the passport different lines. He waits and waits and waits and waits for her at the airport, and then he leaves. Well, his brother comes in with, like, a boombox, and the police are like, guys, what are you doing? You're loitering. You got to get out of here. This guy's loud and obnoxious. So, really, it was Oliver's brother that screwed it up for him. Yes, Luther, yeah. But then, yes, then they go to Peckham House for, it's a celebration of life. For, For his mom, Tess Jones, and it's a living memorial party. That's right. So, she is still alive, but she has terminal cancer, so we know she's going to pass away, and she is of the mind that um, very um, The Fault in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. I want to know what people are going to say about she me. She wants to know I'm all still... the nice things about that people are going to say about her. I, I absolutely Which, get it. This is my best scene, is yeah, her okay. living memorial. It was definitely a weep warning for me, but like in the best way. Um, what a wonderful way to honor someone when they're still living. I love the idea. I think it's, and it's, it's, it was brilliantly done in this movie because it was what, what she loved and what her and her husband loved, which was, you know, Shakespeare and theater. And so they had everybody dress up in Shakespearean uh, characters from his plays and come and do monologues on stage about Tess. And I loved that. I have for you, Sarah, more stats. (laughs) Great. As per the app Goodreads, which oh, Sarah I love and I Goodreads. are both part of, um, what do you think are the most popular Shakespearean plays of all time? Oh. As per Goodreads, okay. As per Goodreads, uh, Romeo and Juliet, Macbeth. Um, Whoa, oh, slow down. oh, okay. Romeo and Juliet, okay, number three off the board. Okay. However, it had the most number of ratings. So the most people rated Romeo and Juliet, but they rated it number three. You said Macbeth. Mm-hmm. That's number two. Okay, Othello. Othello's number five. Um, Taming to the Shrew. Oh, number 12. Good guess. Um, oh my God. I'm, I, I'm having brain fart. Number one. Now. I definitely, I can't remember if I read it. One of our classes read it in high school. It was a popular high school read what in my it? school. Do you want to know yeah, number yeah. one? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of any. Number one, Hamlet, oh, Sarah. Hamlet. Gosh, You're leaving darn. Hamlet on the board. I can't believe I lost. Yeah, yes, Hamlet. Well, so every year at our high school, we would go to a place um, called Stratford, and they'd have a Stratford festival, theater festival, and they would play a Shakespearean plays, and we'd go, uh, and it was like over three days. It was a three-day trip, and we'd go and see and watch. So I think that year it was Macbeth and Othello. So I saw both of them, which was really cool. Stratford, uh, famous for what? Who? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber from Stratford, <laughs> Ontario. Yeah. Also great theater situation in Stratford. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so after the living memorial, um, Oliver kind of needs to take a minute and uh, his mom finds him and talks to him and they, they chat and you know, she, we find out that she could get treatment, but it would only let her live months longer. And Oliver being a statistics guy would like her to take that option. But her as being, I would say more of the creative type. Um, she just wants to die her. She wants to die herself and not a sick person who got an extra three months 
and it made her even sicker because of the treatment. This was a weep warning for me because it's very, yeah, it's just very raw and very, like you can tell he loves her so much and she loves him back, but but she's right. Like her thought is sound in that she's like, I don't want to be sick just to live another six months. I want to kind of pass away on my own terms. You can see how much it's wrecking Oliver over this. Hadley gets to the memorial and she meets uh, Tess and Val, Oliver's parents, as well as Luther, uh, the brother. And Hadley's a bit confused about the whole situation. She's like, I thought you it was a memorial. But she loves the idea of hearing all the wonderful things people say about you before you die. She loves the whole idea. She is grateful to to have met or be able to meet Oliver's uh, parents. She watches Tess and Val dance and then she sees Oliver at the other end of the room. They hug and it's as if there is a piece a missing piece that has been put back together. They go and walk outside and they talk and he asks how the wedding was and she says annoyingly nice and that her dad is really happy and Charlotte is wonderful. Hadley asks Oliver why he didn't tell her on the plane that it was a memorial and not a wedding and he says because it's complicated because his mom is having a living memorial that she's still alive. Oliver tries explaining it away again with numbers and statistics and Hadley asks, you know, are you okay? You always do that instead of just saying something honest and he tries to kiss her and Hadley pulls away saying you know I don't want to do this when you're very vulnerable when you're doing it because you know I called you out on something honest and he's upset but Hadley says you know she just wants to be there for him Oliver says you know what do you want me to say that I'm gutted and that I'm spilling my guts out to a girl who I just met on a plane and Hadley realizes you know what I'm gonna leave I'm gonna go but accidentally leaves her backpack there and it's given to Oliver by, of course, the narrator in a different character. How Cinderella of our story to leave. It. Uh, it's kind of like at the end I was like, oh my God, are we going to get like a guardian angel kind of moment or like a very godmother kind of moment? Like, But I, I like that it didn't do that because it does yes, still yes. stay grounded enough, you know? So the last speech at the living memorial or the monologue, I should say, is Oliver's. To his mother and he goes up there to give his speech and starts out with all of these statistics and numbers and then he realizes that you know his mom isn't a statistic or a number and you know starts to be honest about um about his feelings toward his mother's living memorial and how she's going to be gone and I think it's the first real honest moment that Oliver has had since he was little and and to go further into that at the very beginning of the movie uh we see um we get to hear Hadley's fears, but we also hear Oliver's. And one of Oliver's fears are surprises. And this is because he loved surprises growing up because his parents were just so full of life and, and did so much with the kids. And, you know, they they acted out plays in their living rooms and things like that. But then when his mom originally was diagnosed all those years ago, that came as a very, surpri- a very big surprise for him. And he was really upset that it, he was so caught off guard. So from that point on, statistics and numbers became his best friend. And that's, you know, I think when you saw the shift um, in his in his, I guess, life um he hates surprises so hadley tries walking back to the church terrible idea but ends up getting lost with heels that are giving her blisters and then of course her phone is dead she trades the heels for sneakers and uses a random man's phone in a in a christmas market to call her dad to come and pick her up hadley's dad comes to pick her up and they talk finally And Hadley tells her dad that um, she left their ceremony right after to go and find a boy from a plane because she felt that, you know, she needed to be there for him. 
Then Hadley asks her dad, you know, why didn't you fight for us? Why didn't you fight for mom? Why didn't you fight for, for our old life? And he says, you know, he doesn't have a good answer, but that they stopped both putting in the work and that love is hard. Hadley tells her dad that she liked their old life, but that she is very happy for him that he's happy with Charlotte. They make up and they're in a good place. And they kind of quickly talk about that book that she was originally going to give back, but she's going to keep it and read it. Back at Oliver's mom's memorial, Tess, the mom, says that she likes Hadley and the whole family wants him to go and find her. And so he does. He decides to. They all get into their car together and go and take a family a family ride to go to the church to crash the wedding. Oliver shows up and finds Hadley. Oliver tells her... You asked me what I was scared of when we met. That's it. I'm scared of being caught off guard by things like cancer or heartbreak and then they kiss this is an epic kiss this is a good first kiss yes i'm glad it didn't happen on the airplane because this was a good kiss oh but whitney Houston, i know Sarah. i know so good they could have <laughs> replayed it you know and then we find out at the end of the movie the very last scene she asks by the way i wanted to ask what are you actually researching actually actually yes <laughs> the statistical probability of love at first sight That is the title of our novel that this is based off of. And then there's also the inkling of she was going to leave to go back stateside immediately. And she's kind of like, you know, maybe I'll hang around for a few extra days kind of thing. She's going to miss her flight the next day. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I liked that. (laughs) Quick facts. This story or movie is based on the book written by Jennifer E. Smith. In 2014, Haley Steinfeld was cast to play the lead character Hadley in Hollywood's first attempt to adapt the young adult novel, The Statistical Pro- Probability of Love at First Sight. Nine years later, uh, Steinfeld's The Edge of Seventeen co-star Haley Lou Richardson plays the role of Hadley in, obviously, this Netflix movie. In May 2015, Robert Sheehan was cast to join ha- uh, Haley Steinfeld as the, um, the other lead. Dexter Fletcher and Ben Hardy previously worked together on Bohemian Rhapsody from 2018 with Ben playing Roger Taylor and Dexter being the executive producer. Yes. Oh my gosh. What a grab. The airport scenes for New York were filmed at London Stansted Airport during uh, January 2021. This is Vanessa Caswell's directorial debut. Honorable mentions. Okay. So my honorable mention is um, Jamila Jamil. Oh, really? Yes. I loved her in this. I thought it, like, I loved the addition of her as the narrator, but then throughout the movie as well, and then giving statistics, kind of like we mentioned already up front, like, they will fall in love, but then they're going to separate, and will they see each other again? I don't know. It depends. Like, I liked that. I really liked it, the way that it was done. And sometimes narrators can be hit and miss, but she was a really great narrator. Um... It's funny because all I know her from is The Good Place. Yeah. I'm trying to see. She's so good at The Good Place. She does a ton of voice acting. She has a very good voice. She was in She-Hulk, Sarah. You love that. Yes, she was. Okay. (laughs) She was a villain. My honorable mention is um, just love stories in airports. Oh, I have some of those too. Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, we've seen them before in pop culture. We saw two this past year in 2023 there was that movie with david duchovny and meg ryan in an airport although they haven't done yet yes which we haven't uh exactly but then this this one so i'm like are are there real stories of people falling in love at airports does it ever actually happen 
I found a stat. Oh. I don't think it's real. Oh, okay. It says one in 50 people fall in love on a plane. No. It feels high. It's super high. Very I feel high. like they gave the percentage statistic in the movie. Did they? Yes. I totally missed it. Yeah. So I've got a few air, airport airline stories of love because I wanted to believe, like, does this actually happen? This person says, last year I flew to the West Coast for a dance workshop. I had an aisle seat on my second flight, and I arrived in my row first. A few minutes later, a young man said, excuse me, and I got up to let him into the window seat. I was relieved that someone who seemed to be near my age was sitting with me. That's real, by the way. If you get on a flight and you're like, okay, the people beside me seem relatively Mm -hmm. normal and Mm -hmm. also my age, amazing. We're going to cruise through this. I used to do this on the bus ride home when I would come come home from university. Oh, buses are different, yeah, I'd too. I'd be on the bus for eight hours, and so I would try to pick people that I thought were look, like looked relatively 100%, normal. 100%. <laughs> I, I got that compliment on a bus one time. I was already seated, <laughs> and this girl gets on, and she like decides to sit beside me, and we end up chatting during the bus ride, and she's like, I'm so glad I picked you. I was yeah. trying to look for somebody normal. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. It's glad I give that off. It's real. It's a real thing. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this person said, uh, nobody else came to our row and the seat between us stayed empty for the final hour of the flight. We spoke nonstop learning about each other. He was new to the area to where we were both flying back. I offered to show him around sometime if he was interested. Oh, baby, here we go. We exchanged numbers. (laughs) I repeatedly told him that I was not flirting, but simply being friendly. The relationship started out slowly. I just had the greatest time hanging out and talking with him wherever we went. They ended up, um, this is the happiest I've been in a long time, and I cannot wait to spend my life with this wonderful man, they say. So we don't know how long they've been dating, but presumably a long time. Okay, I have one. Feel free. My cousin saw a handsome guy at the airport with another woman, and she asked her friend why every good man is taken. They board the plane, and handsome guy sits next to her, and they start talking. Turns out the other woman was his sister, and he and my cousin were on the same tour, only he was in another group. They have now been together for years and have two kids together. Amazing. Very reminiscent of our story here, where they don't just meet at the airport or on the flight, but then there's also the tour group after that's yes. That's destiny. It right is. There. That's fate. This person says, my husband and I met on a flight from New York City to Turks and Caicos. Ooh. We were both traveling alone to the Club Med uh, there on a chartered flight, looking forward to a fun singles week. Ooh. Wow. And when, a private flight. Yeah. When the flight landed, there was no stairway to help us get off the plane. We had to sit on the plane for three hours until they found a stairway. <gasps> tall enough to reach the jet. No air conditioning and no food due to customs laws, so the doors to the airplane were open to let air in. Crime scene-like tape was placed across the doorways so no passengers would fall out. It was quite comical. I am a gregarious person, and I could, couldn't could sit three hours, so I walked around the plane chatting with people. This oh man was sitting alone quietly, and we struck up a conversation. We became friendly and spent time together in a group during the vacation week. We stayed in touch afterwards and visited each other over the next year. We began dating and were engaged two years later. Wow. That was 20 years ago, Sarah. Wow, cool. And I love this story because I think we all have those people that you've met on vacation somewhere. That like inexplicably, you're still Facebook friends with them like 15 years later. And you're like, oh, what's Deb up to? Oh, cool. They're that another kid. And you're like, why do I still have this person on Facebook? But there's something special about vacation memories. It's funny. It's I want to so hang true, on to it. I do have a few like I have a bunch of people who I traveled with. Yeah. Yeah. We all do. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Probably never talk to them ever. <laughs> 
Every now and then, but no. <laughs> what should have been? My what should have been is there should have been, and I'm, I'm going to take a very real example right now because I have been getting hammered on TikTok for ads for the Mean Girls musical, which as of the recording of this just came out. Argyle, which is going to oh, be out yes. next month. Yeah. Where was the promotion for this? I, you're so right. Why? Like Sarah and I, th- this is Sarah's uh, winning week for the rom-com fantasy draft. Yes, so she's picking all of our movies this week. Yeah, but this, this month, this was not on my radar at all. No, it, it came out last year and somehow it flew so far under the radar. This is this by far is one of my favorite movies to come out last year. Yeah. I agreed. didn't even know about it. I know. Same. Well, and I was looking for what movie I wanted to do next and I saw this one and I was like, okay, I, I've heard good things. I think about it. I think of, like, I know a few of you guys have recommended it. And so I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and I was like, okay, for a rom-com, for a Netflix rom-com, yep. the fact that this is in the 70s and 80s, like, Preach. we gotta do it. Hell yeah. So I told Devin, this is what we're doing. And we both absolutely love this movie. Like, I am so pleased with it. They did such a good job. I want more like this. Come on. This should be the blueprint for like a new rom-com. This and like the um, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Do those. Just do more of those. That's all we want. Overall rewatchability. So I've got chemistry, a 4.75. Like I said, believed in this love story right from the get-go. Storyline, 4.1. Thirst Factor, a 4.45. Imagination, I'm just going to bring it down to a 3.89. There were some similar beats that have done before, and it was based off a novel. But still, they brought the novel to life in a really special way. Soundtrack, you know it, 4.9. Fantastic soundtrack, and she's a 4.8. That's an overall score of 4.48 out of 5, which in my mind is on the cusp of iconic territory this is it's funny i i put it into a similar pile as like about time and definitely maybe those are just like an inch above this one but in the same vein i thought this was such a special watch okay so my rewatchability is chemistry five storyline five thirst factor five imagination 4.5 because it was based on a novel but like you said brought it to life Soundtrack 5, Cheese 4.7 for an overall score of 4.86 out of 5. Wow, that's a lot of 5s. loved this movie. Wow. Hey, you know what? I I can't disagree with you, though. This This one was really, really great. If you're looking for a new romantic comedy, Love at First Sight. It's on Netflix. Check it out. This has been the Rom-Com Rewind of Love at First Sight. Wherever you're listening, throw us a follow, subscribe, and uh, follow us on Instagram at Rom-Com Rewind. Thanks for listening. 